Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning again. Thank you guys for bringing that table and stool up for me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad we're getting ready uh, to observe communion together. And uh, for those of you that are watching online, uh, now's a good time to go and uh, gather uh, either some bread or some crackers and some juice uh, so that you can uh, observe communion with us. And we're grateful that you're there. Um, you know, communion, uh, it's, it's a bit um, divisive within the church. I don't, I don't think the Lord intended that. In fact, I'm, I'm almost like 100% certain that, that uh, he did not... Uh, give us uh, communion uh, to divide us. But unfortunately, it's one of those things that the Lord has given us one of the blessings that he gave us, and men being men, uh, we kind of get, uh, we tend to major on the minors sometimes, and, 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 we, and, and, and we kind of miss the whole point altogether. And so this morning before uh, we observe communion together. I, I, I wanted us to just think about why we do this. Why do we even do communion? Uh, it's, it's interesting because it's called different names, okay? Um, I grew up in the South, and I, my background is Southern Baptist. We never called it communion. We called it the Lord's Supper, you know? And uh, we said it with a good Southern twang. We're having the Lord's Supper tonight. And... Um, that, that's what we always called it. Uh, there are other uh, uh, denominations, they call it the Eucharist, okay? Um, and so uh, these words, uh, they all uh, mean something a little bit different, but they're all very good. Uh, the Lord's Supper, that was coined by Paul. Uh, that, that actually comes out of the, out of the Bible, uh, that, that particular name for what we're going to do this morning. Uh, Eucharist is a Greek word that means to be grateful. Obviously, we should be grateful when, when we observe communion. And then that word communion itself, it's another Greek word that means to participate together, uh, which is a big part of communion. Communion is something that you do in community. That's the idea uh, behind uh, observing the Lord's Supper or participating in the Eucharist or uh, calling it communion. It really doesn't matter. All three words are perfectly okay. What's really interesting about communion is is the way churches do it, okay? The timing of it. Um, It would have been great if our Lord had said, do it every 60 days, or do it every other day, or do it every odd day. He didn't. He didn't give us any schedule to follow when it comes to when we should observe communion. 
So as a result of that, churches throughout the history of, of church have done it at different times. Some churches do it every week. Every time when they get together, uh, they take communion. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Some churches try to do it quarterly. Some churches try to do it monthly. Uh, some churches maybe once a year. You know, and, and, and here's the thing. Jesus didn't tell us. So, so there's no right way, wrong way when it comes to the timing of when we do communion. What we do here at Grace Bible Church is we try to do it three or four times a year together in this room, but we also encourage our small groups to do it more frequently uh, when they get together. And that's why it's so important to be a part of a small group, uh, because that's, that's a place where you can observe uh, communion together on a more frequent basis. There um, are different ways to do communion. Like one of the things the church has argued about throughout history is who can take communion, okay? Um, so some churches do what is called a closed communion. Uh, that means only church members can participate. Um, it's been my experience that churches do closed communion. There's not a lot of people there anyway, so maybe that works out really well for them. Um, then there's open communion. And open communion is, is for any believer who finds themselves in a church, and that church is observing the Lord's Supper, that they would participate. That's what we follow here at Grace Bible Church. Uh, there's also a bit of confusion about the actual elements um, you know, pre-COVID, and, I, and I'm sure one day we will get back to it, our small groups may already be getting back to it, uh, we didn't use these uh, pre-COVID. Uh, Pre-COVID, we would have uh, actual bread or wafers or crackers that we had in trays, and, and we would pass that out, and, and there were little juice cups, very similar to this, uh, that had juice in them, and then we would pass that out. Um, some people, these, these are called the, the elements of communion, and um, you can even package them this way. There's nothing sinful about this. It's, it's, just a, it, it's just a clean way to do it. No one's handled this. When you open this, you're the only one that, that's touched it. Um, so these, these elements, there's a little wafer, and there's a little cup of juice, and the church throughout history has also argued about what happens when we, when we take communion. Uh, some denominations believe that this wafer and, and this juice is the actual body and blood of Christ. Okay, so, so there's, it's, it's not a representation. They're saying, no, it actually is. And then there are other denominations that say, well, it becomes the body of Christ and it becomes the blood of Christ when we take it. Okay, and then there's a third group and the third group says that this wafer and this juice is a representation of the blood of Christ and the body of Christ that was sacrificed on our behalf. And so here at Grace Bible Church, that is how uh, we approach it. This is a representation of the body of Christ and a representation of the blood that he shed for us. Now, those are all the human factors around communion that have uh, really troubled the church. And, and uh, I went over them really quickly because I don't think, I don't think they're really that important. 
honestly. I know we all have our different backgrounds that we come from. That's one thing that I, I really uh, appreciate about Grace Bible Church is the diversity of the religious background of the people who go to church here. Uh, because there's no denomination that has a corner on God. Okay, And because, because we're an independent uh, Grace Bible Church, we're, we don't have a corner on God either. Um, so, so I, I appreciate that, that, that so many people with different backgrounds can come together and, and worship the Lord. The issue with communion is not all the things that I just talked about. The real issue with it, the real importance is what do we focus on, on and why are we doing it? It's the motivation behind it that matters to the Lord and it, and it should be what matters to us is why are we doing this? So to figure this out, we need to go back to the first one, the very first time that this happened. And Jesus, is the he's the man. He's the one that introduced this, that instituted this. Prior to him, there, this didn't happen. Okay, He's the one that introduced it to his disciples and told his disciples that, hey, you, this is something you should do moving forward. So in Luke chapter 22, we have one account of where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And, and it's, it says there in verse 19, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them. Now, here's the thing. This is the night that Jesus uh, was going to be arrested. This is his last night with his disciples. Judas has already left the room. He's already left the room and is going to betray Jesus, okay? So it's Jesus and the other 11. And, and, and he institutes this, he takes common bread, common juice, okay? And, and he says, I, I want this to represent something special. And that's what he begins to explain. So he says, he took, this, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so we find this is where Jesus took common bread, common juice, and he broke it with his disciples, and he turned it into a worship service. And what I find really interesting is that when Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples what it meant for him to die on the cross, he did not tell a story, he shared a meal with them to communicate what was getting ready to happen and what was getting ready to take place. And without a doubt, the disciples, uh, they, they didn't fully embrace or understand everything that was happening in that moment. It was not until they saw him crucified, until they saw his resurrected body, and they worshiped him as Lord, true Lord, that all the things that he taught them begin to come back to them. And they remembered, oh, we're supposed to do the Lord's Supper. And, and, and the only instruction they had, listen, there is no other teaching from Jesus in scriptures about, about the Lord's Supper except right here when he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. That's the only teaching Jesus ever gave about what we're getting ready to do. And, and so the idea is that the, the primary purpose behind this is to remember Jesus. To remember. And you say, well, what am I supposed to remember? Whatever comes to your mind. It's all good. 
Maybe it's his birth. Maybe it's a miracle. Maybe it's one of his teachings. Maybe it's his death. Maybe it's his resurrection. You know what? Think of all of it. Because he did all of it so that we might have a relationship with him. And it reminds us that we are to be grateful for the sacrifice that, that he gave on our behalf. You know, when you're a parent, you do things for your kids, and they have no idea the sacrifice it was for you to be able to provide them with an opportunity or a gift or, or something that they're getting ready to do. It could be as simple as, as giving them money. You know, they come to you and say, I need 40 bucks for whatever, and you just give them $40. They have no idea what it costs for you to give them, in their mind, it's free, right? Right? I mean, I, I don't know if that ever happens to you. Your household happens to my household quite frequently. They, they have no idea what it costs for that to be available to them. And the hope is, is that as, as they spend time with us and as they begin to mature, that they would see, oh, that's really, that really wasn't free. That was mom and dad loving me. That was mom and dad taking care of me. That was mom and dad making sacrifices for me. Well, it kind of works the same way with communion. That as we take it, and as we mature in our relationship with Christ, we come to the realization, this wasn't free. This wasn't free. It was free to me, but it cost a lot. And that's how salvation works. It is free to every person, but free does not mean that it was cheap. It cost our Lord. And so when we, when we do this, we're to remember that. We're to remember it cost him something for you and I to be able to have a relationship with him. Well, as church history began to unfold and the church began to come together, they started arguing about communion. It didn't take them long. It didn't take them long to get off track about what this is supposed to be about. And so it's really Paul, later in the New Testament, that explains to us and gives us a little bit more instruction about communion, about the Lord's Supper, about the Eucharist. And so we find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul writes here, he's writing to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church was a problematic church, which means it's a lot like us. They had a lot of problems, and those problems were called people. And anytime people get together, there are going to be problems. And there were problems at Corinth, and Paul is helping them walk through it. And, and one of their issues was the way they were observing the Lord's Supper. The, the issue was not that they were observing it. The issue was why were they observing it. And that's what, he's, that's what he deals with. So he says, he, he specifically talking, he says, when you meet together... You are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. So he's calling out their motivation. He says up front, you guys are getting together to do the Lord's Supper, 
But when you get there, that's not really what it's about. That's not really why you've gathered. So uh, uh, something we need to understand, okay, a little cultural difference here. The Corinthian church, when they did the Lord's Supper, it was a full-blown meal. Okay, we don't, we don't do a full-blown meal. You'll be hungry after you eat this. If you're counting, if you're thinking this is going to satisfy your morning craving, not going to happen, okay? We, we don't do a full-blown meal. But the Corinthian church did. They did a full-blown meal, and at the end of the meal, they broke bread, they took juice, and they remembered the Lord. At least that was the intent behind it. That's how it got started. But you know how things are. Things get started a good way, and then after a while, it's kind of like, oh, why are we even doing this? And that's what he's calling out. He's saying, you guys are getting together to do this? You're getting together to take the Lord's Supper? But it's really not about the Lord's Supper. Notice what he says to them. He says, For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. So part of their argument was, Paul, we're getting together and we're observing the Lord's Supper. We really love the Lord. We're getting together to observe communion. And Paul says, yeah, but when you get together, that's not even what it's about. He said, and here's how I know that's not what it's about. It's because of what's happening when you get together. So they did this whole full-blown meal, the Corinthian church, uh, socioeconomically, it was a very diverse church, there were very wealthy people there, there were very poor people there, and everyone was required to bring their own food, okay? Much like we do our own potluck dinners, all right? And so they bring their food, well, the poor didn't have a lot of food, but the rich, they brought their food, and, and, and instead of sharing with everyone, each, each family was kind of keeping it to themselves, or they were breaking off in cliques. You know, these, these folks are my friends. I don't really know those folks. They're not. And I don't really. So they wouldn't share with them. And so what was happening is that they were having this whole meal. And, and those who had plenty had plenty while they were there. And those who had little had little and sat around and watched everybody who had plenty have plenty. It's kind of like going to the airport and boarding a plane. Everyone knows who the first-class passengers are because they call them out first, right? As if there's one place in the world where we're reminded of the haves and the have-nots, it's at the airport. Well, that's what, but that should never happen at church. That should never happen among God's people. And Paul's calling them out on it. He's saying, some of you are getting together and you're having this big party. While there's people around you that you're not observing them at all. You're not seeing their need. You're not, you, don't, you don't care about them at all. And so he's calling that out. Which reminds us that communion, yes, we are focusing on the Lord. But we should also be aware of one another. This is a community worship. It's, it's, it's intended for God's people to come together to do. 
So he goes on to say to them, he says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We just read that in Luke. Paul's referring back to it. He says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after, say, after, after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And that kind of needs to be announced. We need to keep telling the world Jesus died for us and that he's coming back. And this is what the Lord's Supper is, is, is supposed to be about. So then he goes into some other instruction. He says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That sounds pretty bad. It's because it is. It is pretty bad. So that is why, look at what he says, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. This is Paul is saying, if God's, if God's disciplining you, that's not very good, but it does let you know you belong to him. You belong to him if he's disciplining you. Of course, the antithesis of that is, is that if we can live in sin and he not discipline us, what does that say? It says we don't belong to him. So when we observe communion, there's three things that unfold. First of all, it is an opportunity for us to practice unity. It's the one time we're doing the same thing all together. For instance, when we sing a song, not everybody sings, right? When we pray, not everyone's engaged. When the pastor is speaking or someone is teaching, not everyone's paying attention, right? But when we do communion, if, if, you're, if you're taking the bread as everyone else is taking the bread, and if you're drinking the juice when everyone else is drinking, we're all together. We're, we're all doing the same thing. We're all remembering the Lord at the same time. And so it's an opportunity for us to practice unity. And it doesn't matter what our backgrounds are. It doesn't matter uh, where we came from. It doesn't matter what our past has in it. It doesn't matter about our education. I heard a story one time about uh, the Duke of Wellington. Uh, the Duke of Wellington is the guy who defeated Napoleon. 
and Waterloo. And right after that victory, history tells us that he went to a little small country church the Sunday after that victory happened. And they were observing communion there that day. And he went up and he knelt down at the altar just like everyone else in that little country church. And there was this old, older gentleman, poor, that was kneeling beside him. And one of the leaders at the church came up and put their hand on the older gentleman and said, you shouldn't be so close to the duke. The duke overheard him say that and grabbed the old man by the hand. And he said, don't you move anywhere. This is the only place we're all on level ground. And that's what communion does. It puts us nowhere else in society may we be on the same ground. But at communion, we are all just sinners being reminded of the grace that has been extended to us. And none of us are better than the other. Even though we might think it and act it and speak it at other times. It's really not that way. So it's an opportunity to practice unity. The second thing is that we remember the price Jesus paid for our salvation. I talked about that already. It, it, is, it is free to us, but it was not cheap. It did not come of become available to us uh, in, in a cheap kind of way. It was very costly. And it's an opportunity for us to remember. To remember how much He loved you. He loved you. That's why He did it. He loved you and He wants to have a relationship with you and, and He wants to, to fellowship with you each day of your life. He wants to be with you. And it's an opportunity for us to remember that. And the third thing that Paul points out is that communion is an opportunity to evaluate our walk with the Lord. It's an opportunity for us to pause and say, hey, am I just playing games? Or am I sincerely trying to walk with the Lord? Or, or is this just a hobby? You know, my, my, my religion is what I do when there's nothing else to do. This is, and, and so this is an opportunity to evaluate that because he, he, hits, he hits pretty hard and heavy about sin in the believer's lives. And we don't like talking about sin uh, because we automatically think someone's judging us if, we're, if, they, if they start talking about a sin that's in our life. But can I, can I tell you something? Um, I, I'd, re I'd rather you feel judged by me than to be judged by God. Because you know what? I'm not eternal and I'm not all-powerful. But if, but if God can say something through us, uh, through his word and through being together, and it causes us to feel guilty, it, fall, it causes us to, to experience conviction, then praise the Lord. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. And so, and so this morning, I want to encourage all of us before we, we take uh, communion here together in just a moment you know, if there's unconfessed sin in your life, confess it now. It can't be general, okay? You can't say, well, I know I'm a sinner, so God forgive me of my sins. 
No. Specific forgiveness does not come from general confession. He said, well, I'm not sure what my sins are. Well, ask the Lord. He'll tell you. He'll tell you right now. In fact, chances are real good he's already laid something on your heart. Just, just us talking about it briefly for these few seconds. You're already aware of what's in your life that shouldn't be there. What you are doing that you shouldn't be doing or what you're not doing that you should be. And he's already, he's already brought that up to you. So say, Lord, you're right. You're right. Confess that and, and repent of that. And, and you know what? Here's, here's what's real important. We can't, we can't live in open rebellion against the Lord and expect that he not deal with us. If you're truly a child of God, we can't, we can't, we might do that in a moment, but we can't keep on doing it. Because he loves us too much to leave us there. And that's what Paul's talking about. That, that when we examine ourselves and, we, and, and the Lord points, points something out in our life that, that should not be there, or he points out something that should be there that we're not letting in, then, and, and we acknowledge it, but then we say, you know what, but I'm not going to change. That's open rebellion. That, that's the same as shaking your fist in the face of God and saying, I don't care. What you've asked me to stop doing, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care that what you've asked me to start doing, I'm not. And Paul says that when we live our lives that way as children of God, that we are placing ourselves in a place to experience the judgment of God on earth. And that's what he's referring to. And that really happens and still happens today. And that's why we need to take it seriously before we observe communion.